This is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Stephen Pesavento. For as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. And each episode, we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. Welcome back to the Investor Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Pesavento. And each week we share mindset tips and real estate investing strategies to help you take your business and your investment portfolio to the next level. Today, I've got a, a friend of mine in the studio, uh, Rich Fedke. How are you doing today, Rich? Good, Stephen. Good to be here. Thanks for having me back. Excited to be diving in with you. Uh, it's pretty exciting because you and your wife, Kathy, have been uh, people that I've looked up to for quite a long, long time. I think you're living in a, an incredible life, one that many other people can look up to as great models. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who don't know, Rich, uh, prolific investor, runs Real Wealth, uh, a uh, investment firm uh, helping investors get into real estate and a variety of different types of products. But you're also the author of bestseller, Extreme Success, and your newest book, The Wise Investor, which has been acclaimed by experts such as Ken McElroy, Brandon Turner, Robert Kiyosaki, and many others. Um, I'm super excited to dive into this. It sounds like you've really written you know, the next Rich Dad Port out of this decade. So <laughs> wow. I'm excited to talk all about that. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. So I have a collection of different stories about how people get the grip of their financial freedom through investing. So my traditional question would be, how did you come to invest in real estate and what really led you down this path? Yeah. And I mean, I think I may have shared this before um, with your listeners and viewers, um, but maybe not. It was, uh, it was out of desperation, honestly. It was back in 2003. Uh, I had this thriving coaching practice, an amazing wife, uh, two wonderful daughters, and I had a freshly signed book deal with Simon & Schuster. So I was on top of my game, feeling amazing, um, doing a book tour all over the country. And then I was diagnosed with melanoma, which is the most deadly form of skin cancer. And the doctor thought that it had spread to my liver. And I met with an oncologist after a series of tests. And he said, it really looks like you've got about six months to live. So it rocked my world, rocked Kathy's world, you know, with a 10-year-old daughter, a three-year-old daughter, uh, we just didn't know what we were going to do. And so Kathy got desperate and she was thinking, what am I going to do to make ends meet if Rich dies? And so she started to seek out a way to do that. And she found mentors who taught her about real estate investing. And thankfully, the doctor's diagnosis was wrong. The melanoma had not spread to my liver. So after mm. some surgeries to remove the melanoma, and after that, three months scare of not knowing if I was going to be around. Uh, we started to invest in real estate ourselves. We went out to the Dallas area of Texas, uh, north of Dallas in a place called uh, Rockwall, Texas. And we bought five investment properties. And that was really what got us going on this path and showed us a new way to financial freedom uh, that we had not even conceived of. You know, we were always thinking like someday we're going to uh, invest in real estate when we have enough money. And mm -hmm. we didn't realize that about leverage, we didn't know about any of that stuff, but we, mm -hmm. we learned it quickly. And then after that, um, we had some friends and family and uh, Kathy had a, a small radio show in the San, Fr San Francisco area. And uh, people were asking us how we do it. How do you do it remotely and all that? 
So we decided to form a group of investors where we could help each other and support each other. And honestly, we thought it was going to be maybe 100 or 200 people. And now today, 19 years later, Real Wealth has become, uh, we have now over 64,000 members at Real Wealth that we've helped get into investment properties around the country and build their own financial freedom. Yeah, it's pretty incredible to see what you guys have been able to build and what the result of that has been. Um, and just how you've been able to introduce people to real estate who otherwise believed it wasn't possible for them. I think mm. that's something that we, we share that similar mission because at the end of the day, you know, having more freedom, flexibility, and being able to have more fun is really the reason why all of us are getting into this space of investing. And a lot of people just don't believe it's possible. So, right. you know, you've written this new book, The Wise Investor, you know, how have you been able to work past your own fears and be able to start to move in that direction of investing and talk, let's talk a little bit about some of the themes of the book and kind of what people will learn when they dive into this, this new novel. Yeah. Thanks for that. It's, um, I'm really excited about this book. It's, uh, so I, I wanted to write a story because, a story emotionalizes information. There's so many great books out there on real estate investing, on finance, on personal growth and all that. Um, But I heard a a very interesting statistic, a shocking stat that 86% of people don't make it past the second chapter of a nonfiction book. It blew my mind. Uh, it was research done by uh, Jim Collins' team uh, who wrote Good to Great. And he was just mm-hmm. amazed because he would talk to people and they would talk about his first chapter or first, second chapter. And he's like, I want to find out how many. So they did this, this survey on it. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that, that was fascinating. So I wanted to write something that would be compelling, that would not only emotionalize that information, but that would pull people into the story and really write a really good story, the compelling story where it has... Uh, follows the hero's journey and has you want to turn the pages. And it's, it's really cool. Cause I've had several people say, you know, reach out to me and say, you know, this, your book was fantastic. And I read it cover to cover uh, mm-hmm. on a flight or sitting out on my veranda or whatever it might be. And that's exactly what I wanted to set out to do. So the wise investor, it tells a story of this hardworking family man, but he works so many hours that he doesn't have time for his wife or his kids or even his life. And then he meets this new friend and mentor who guides him and shows him this new path to financial freedom through real estate investing, through business, through growing a business, through investing, investing in himself, investing in his relationships, investing in assets. And uh, this guy, the protagonist, ends up be becoming wealthy in m- more ways than he thought possible. Honestly, he just he didn't he didn't realize he didn't see the light. And, you know, he was really in a corporate job. He was a W-2 employee and working through that. Um, he learns a lot of big, powerful lessons. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're really describing the experience that so many people in the United States experience today. This belief Mm -hmm. that if they go the traditional path, if they go and get a career and they work in that career and they dedicate that time over you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, they're going to be able to retire and they're going to be in a really great place. But a lot of people aren't actually living the life that they want to live. So what are some of those key themes? I don't want to give anything away, but what are some of the, Mm -hmm. the three or four simple little steps or habits that people could implement in their daily routine 
to finally move towards that end goal of financial freedom? I mean, a big piece of it, and when I say emotionalized information, it's the it's the awareness, it's uh, the shift in mindset that we all need, that you and I have experienced. And um, mm-hmm. just like that, when I thought I couldn't invest in real estate until I thought I had a certain amount of money or it was a someday, and just getting that first property is that big mindset shift. So some of those lessons, the the mentor goes over, he talks about assets and liabilities. And he views them a little different than we see often, or we're told about assets and liabilities. You know, it's, I think Robert Kiyosaki did a great job in explaining that in Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And Robert Kiyosaki actually wrote the forward for The Wise Investor. I'm super stoked on that. And actually, he talks about that, that the power of the story and, and how it communicates that way. So one of the things a mentor shares with Ryan Brooks, who's the protagonist in the story, is he, he looks at assets as anything that brings you income or better health or more happiness or more time. That's looking at an asset that way. And a, a liability, just the opposite. A liability is something that costs you income or better health or happiness or time. So you start to compartmentalize mm. and be like, is this an asset? Is this a, is this a liability? Is this person in my life an asset? Do they add to my life that I make things better? Or are they somewhat toxic and are they a drain? Are they all about them? Are they, are they a liability? So you start to look through anything through your relationships, through something you might purchase or invest in. Um, you can look at, say in your business, you can look at is investing in this, like we hear about um, people are our greatest asset, right? In a business, we've heard that one. So it's just mm-hmm. looking at it that way. It's like looking at those assets. And I see that because it's like, it's like the, the golden goose that, you know, lays the, or the goose that lays the golden eggs. It just keeps providing just like rental properties, just like apartments, just, you know, just like uh, self-storage, any of that. But it also applies in business with people. Um, you know, we're not creating financial freedom. And I think that is the problem with that, if I just work this hard job, I, I put in a lot of hours, I keep climbing the corporate ladder, someday I can retire when I'm 65, 70, you know, if that, mm-hmm. but you know, you got to really step back and say, don't you want to live your best life now? So that's a lot of the message in this. How can you live your best life now while creating financial freedom for yourself? And so that's one of the huge themes that runs through it. And obviously, you know, the, the best way that this mentor describes is, in real estate investing. So he kind of breaks it down and he communicates these lessons about how to invest, how to save to invest, how to reduce his um, lifestyle expenses so he can reduce those and have some more money left over to invest. And it basically goes over his life over a five-year period. So you get to learn the lessons with him and see where he ends up five years in the future. Mm, That's beautiful. So a lot of people are experiencing this where they have a lot of liabilities in their life. That might be relationships, that might be debt, that might be something that they're purchasing. How do you recommend from your own experience that people take those steps towards removing those liabilities, even when there's something that at one point they thought was really important to them, whether that's a relationship or whether that's uh, something else? Yeah, right. And so again, I think that's exactly what you just said. It's like, it's a almost a portfolio analysis of your life. It's like really <laughs> stepping back and looking at life. You know, sometimes you look at a kind of a dead asset, you know, and you're just like, should I offload this? Should I get rid of this asset? Should I sell it now? Is now the time to get rid of it? But I think it's looking at life that way and stepping back 
and examining your life. So the mentor actually takes Ryan Brooks through this process of looking at the 10 major areas of his life, including finance, including his career, but also looking at his his fun and recreation and his relationship and time with family. And he really starts to have him rate these areas of his life on a scale of zero to 10. And so the reader of the book can do the same thing, obviously. So I have resources in the back of the book that guide the reader through the same type of thing. So um, that same process of analyzing your life, stepping back and saying, how satisfied am I in this area of my life? And if it's not a 10, say it's an eight or say it's a five, you could just, if it's a five, you look at that and say, okay, what would it look like if that were an eight? You know, what would have to be different? For this area of my life to be an eight or say an area is an eight. It's like, what would it look like if it were a 10? Start looking at that impossibility thinking, right? You know, think if everything was perfect, what would mm. it look like? So often we don't do that or we don't take the time to do it because we're, we're so in the grind. We're so pushing to get the ne next thing done. You know, we have, we have our email box filling up and we have so many things coming at us, so much to do. But that is the problem. So it's stopping and slowing down. And this, and this is what I learned as a coach. So before we started Real Wealth, I was a coach for 15 years and I coached a lot of clients. And that's one of the things I noticed is that most people don't take the time or haven't taken the time to really step back and really look at their whole life and see what's working, what's not, what they want to change, what they want to improve and get that clear vision for their future about where they want to go. So I've kind of wove that, yeah. everything I've learned from the members of Real Wealth over the last 19 years, working with all our members and hearing their stories about where they were, what they did and where they are now. I wove a lot of those stories and the financial intelligence into the story. And I tried to also weave in a lot of those coaching principles that I learned coaching people on mm -hmm. all areas of their life. I hear a lot of that, and I really want to underline the importance of how intentional you're, you're, you're telling and sharing with people to be about all areas of their life, not just the investment side. Because one of the things I've talked to a lot of clients just like you at Von Finch Capital, and one of the things that I notice is when I talk to folks and they have a very clear, intentional reason why they're looking to invest, they're able to quickly decide whether something's actually going to help them get closer to that intentional vision they have or farther away. And the people who have the hardest time taking that leap, making those investments, taking those steps, investing in themselves are the people who are unclear about what it is that they're actually trying to solve for. And when yeah. people don't understand what they want and why they want it, and they don't understand where they're at currently, it's really difficult for them to start to actually create a plan of determining how they're going to get where they want to go. And I love yeah. this idea of kind of laying out this wheel of life mentality of kind of outlining these different areas and rating those areas so that you can ask yourself the questions the same way you would do if you were paying somebody tens of thousands of dollars a year to coach you. You can actually coach yourself yeah. through some of that process in anticipation of either working directly with somebody who can help support you or going out and kind of creating that vision. So I, I really mm -hmm. like what you outlined there. Yeah, that's, I really tried to communicate that. And I wanted to go, I didn't want it to be a book of theory, right? Just ideas. Mm -hmm. I wanted to have it to go from theory to practice. And so that's one of the ways that you can go from theory to practice. Another way uh, in the book, he talks about um, meeting his future self. And I think that's something that we can all do consistently, no matter how clear you think you are. I 
I often will go into the future and meet my future self, uh, which is there, there's a process that you can go through. Actually, one of the resources in the book in the back, it's, it's free. You can go to this website. Uh, actually, I'll just share it with your readers. It's if you go to realwealth.com forward slash grow, that's the, the page for all the resources for the book. So once you buy the book and you don't have to buy it though, just go to realwealth.com forward slash grow. And there's the notebook that the protagonist keeps throughout the story. Um, so it's just all the lessons learned. There is a um, about a 10 minute future self visualization that I recorded uh, that kind of guides people through that process. I often do it in front of the room when I'm speaking. Uh, I did, did it with all my coaching clients. And honestly, I do it with myself probably probably about once a week on average. I will actually, if I'm going to bed at night, I'll close my eyes and I'll do this little mental journey and I'll go into the future five, 10, 20 years and I will hook up and meet with my future self and say, hey, what are you doing? I'll follow him around. I'll ask him mm -hmm. questions. I'll get, I'll learn some lessons. And what that does, it sounds a little California woo-woo, but I'm from California, <laughs> so I got I to bring it, right? But mm -hmm. it's not. Uh, what we're really doing is we're just tapping into our subconscious mind, like what mm. we believe on a deep level when we push that inner voice aside, the negative voices and everything. And we're just looking at what does my compelling future vision look like? If I turn out to be my best self in the future, when I turn out to be my best self in the future, what does he look like? You know, how does he operate? What does he live? What, you know, all that stuff. So it's mm -hmm. this really cool process. And, and what that does is it helps us tap into, which so many people are familiar with now with that RAS, the reticular activating system, the part mm -hmm. of the brain that filters out all the noise and helps us really see what we want. And so by meeting your future self and seeing your future and getting some answers that way, then you come back to today and all of a sudden your antennas are extended, you know, at that reticular mm -hmm. activating system is looking for things and opportunities and people and connections and it's just like, oh, that fits in perfect into my future. That's what I need. And it's, so it kind of keeps us aware and we can actually put it into practice. That's such a great strategy for being able to tap into what's really being thought below the surface. Because sometimes mm -hmm. it can be very difficult to get clear on your vision and to check in to understand whether you are making the right decisions or going in the right direction. When you consciously try to make those decisions, it can be very logical. You can believe that you're doing the right thing. But by actually going through that process, it sounds like you tap into that intuition inside that part of you who just knows what is actually best for you. And you can guide that future, some of those steps that you're going to take. Yeah. You know, and the brain doesn't really know that much different from what we envision and what we dream than reality, which is really cool. So you start laying down new neural pathways um, from neuron to neuron and they get stronger and stronger and you actually start to believe it and you start to see it and you start to act as if you are your future self. So it's a really powerful tool. You know, I use it like before I go up to give a keynote, um, if I'm going to, and even coaching clients uh, in the past, it would be like, they're about to give a important sales presentation or even ask someone out for a date or something like that. <laughs> by actually imagining that you are your future self, you're like, Oh, okay, this is me five years in the future. How would I show up? How would I be? And it changes us inside and it changes our whole neural network. And we start to become that future self. So it takes practice and it takes consistency, but it pays off. I love that. So some getting really clear on this idea of what it is you want intentionally, then actually checking in with a visualization of your future self 
and tapping into that intuition, creating some new identity work. What's one more strategy or lesson that uh, that is shared within this book that somebody could take and and one run with right right now today? Well, I mean, I shared a lot about the mindset piece of it, kind of the personal growth, becoming your best self and all that stuff, you know, and I think, think that's very important, but there's a lot of nuts and bolts information in there. Not like a, you know, it's like you can, you can get so much information now. There's so much available to learn. If you want to learn about multifamily investing, if you want to learn about single family investing, if you want any of these types of things, you can, you can learn about financial management, running a business, uh, and I also wove some of those key principles in about uh, like the protagonist's wife runs a business. It's small in the beginning and she learns some real key things about growing her business, how to free up her time from hiring the right people, how to be a better leader. And but it also goes into benefits of real estate investing. Really, the, the mentor compares uh, investing in real estate, taking like taking $100,000 and investing in a real estate. 100,000 investing it in the stock market and 100,000 investing it in gold. And he kind of walks the protagonist through and he's like, okay, if looking at the same rate of return over the same period of time, here's where you'll be in the future. And you get to see the, the difference in those different asset classes. And you can really see it's like, whoa, okay, real estate really makes sense. And that's, I wanted to communicate that not so much for us real estate investors. It's, it's kind of like, singing to the, to the choir, right? Preaching to the choir. Mm -hmm. um, we, we know it. We know that, you know, real estate that you can benefit from appreciation and through tax, you know, tax benefits through depreciation, um, through amortization, you know, it's like so many different things and hedge against inflation. We know that, but I think a lot of people aren't aware of that. So a lot of the book, I wanted to communicate and speak to kind of the Henry's. Have you heard that? That it's high mm -hmm. earners, not rich yet. Uh, and there's a lot of people out there and a lot of people who come to real wealth originally, they come in and they are that they're making a good six figure income. They they're maxing out their 401ks. They're in mutual funds or, you know, or individual individual stocks or in Robin hood, whatever they're doing mm -hmm. to try to build their wealth. And they don't realize all these benefits of how real estate investing truly is the, the best way to create financial freedom. There's just no hands down. There's no doubt about it. Well, you're speaking to the choir here, and I know a lot of our listeners are believers, but there is always those folks who are new to this topic. Maybe this is the first book that they're going to be looking at when it comes to investing. Talk to me from your personal experience of talking with and working with thousands of people and your work around be mindset, understanding how to shift and change beliefs. What do you say to those folks who are fearful, who are uncertain, who are, they, they feel like they aren't sure about how to get started and take those steps, yet they know that they need to do it. They know that there's an opportunity. <laughs> they know all of these things, but yet they still feel stuck where they're at right now. Yeah. And that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping some of us, the choir, right? <laughs> that that um, that they go out and you know read it as an entertaining read and kind of like Zig Ziglar said, you know, he said some people say that motivation doesn't last, but neither does bathing. That's why we recommend it on a regular basis, right? <laughs> so it's the same type of thing. I think it's just having a, a compelling read where you're like, oh yeah, I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing the, it's going to get me there someday. So it's that, but it's um, I think the 
the biggest thing, obviously, is that just like you said, it's the fear, it's the resistance. And that was my, that was my focus as a coach is coaching people through that fear as uh, you know, I'm an adventure athlete. I love to rock climb and surf and skydive and do all these super fun things, but there's an element of fear in there and fear management. And so I got obsessed with learning about how to deal with fear and how our brain processes fear. And it's the same for all of us. You know, we all have that little voice in our head that tells us things from our past, uh, tells us we're not enough, or you're going to fail if you invest, because look at your parents lost money, or your friends invested and look what happened to them in 2008. And they try to make today the same as back then, even though it's not. And so it's identifying that little voice in your head. Sometimes it's big voice. Sometimes it's a whole bunch of voices, right? It's that whole, that's that itty bitty shitty committee inside our head. that's telling us <laughs> you can't do it. you're going to fail. You suck all this stuff. So the best way to deal with that inner gremlin is to just notice it because it's really powerful when it's in the dark, it's pulling the strings, you know, it's the puppeteer and it's really trying to protect us. And, you know, we are born with that little gremlin in our head to protect us, keep us safe from, from failure, from harm, from ridicule and embarrassment, all that stuff. So that little gremlin, it's really not a bad guy. It's doing its best to protect us. But what it often does is overprotect us and it keeps us stuck. It keeps us, uh, tells us stories that keep us from moving ahead. So, you know, I think the best way to do it really is start with your physiology is mm. a couple really deep breaths. If you notice that you're stressing out or you notice that fear, you're a little shaky, you're clenching your jaw. It could be any type of physical sign. You might be getting a little snappy at the people you care about. Um, you might just feel down. I think it's really good to just slow down and you take a couple really deep breaths into your belly and then you exhale. And then what happens is we're stimulating on a physiological level or stimulating that vagus nerve that runs from the brain all the way down to the gut. And that diaphragm stimulates that vagus nerve that affects the prefrontal cortex of the brain that increases our heart rate variability, which has us feel more calm, more grounded, more confident. So I think it's starting with that, no matter what it is, if you're feeling nervous before, before you give a speech, it's that deep breathing, just three or four really deep breaths can have a transformational effect on your mind and on your confidence. So it's starting with the breath and then it's just checking in with that, that gremlin, just saying, okay, gremlin, <laughs> sounds like you got something to say here. What's going on? What do you need from me right now? And you just wait, you just wait for it. And it's amazing because it just like that future self visualization, we are just tapping into the subconscious. And when you quiet down like that, your subconscious will say, this is what I'm afraid of. This is what my concern is. This is what I need from you. I need you to get more information. I need you to learn this, or I need you to get a mentor who's going to hold, help hold your hand or guide you. I need you to read a book on this and, and learn more. I had a teacher who once said, um, the best way to, to avoid fear is to be so well prepared that there's little chance of failure. So you got to put a limit on it. You know, if that gremlin's always saying you need to learn more, you need to take more courses, you need to sign up for more boot camps and stuff. It's like, you got to, you got to keep it in check, but just checking in and saying, okay, okay. Inner voice and okay. Fear. Okay. Gremlin. What do you need from me right now? So I can move forward toward this goal. This is what I want. What do you need from me? So I can move forward. And it's, it's kind of mind blowing, really. It sounds a little, woo -woo, it sounds a little weird, but uh, it's amazing 
what, when those answers start to come up and then you can move forward and you can do it with confidence and with clarity and without that gremlin trying to, to put almost an invisible block in front of you. Well, there's a beautiful power that you create and you have within yourself when you start to become aware and you start noticing Huge. and you start being able to see these feelings, these thoughts, these beliefs, these emotions that are coming up and you're able to then identify them for what they really are. They still might mm. have control initially, but over time they start to loosen that grip. And eventually just like everything else that was once new, you start to feel more comfortable uh, and that fear starts to subside. What I find is a lot of people, when things are new, there's a lot of fear because there's all these stories that they hear, like you're saying about other people having bad experiences, or maybe they yeah. can connect it to a, a time that they lost money or made the wrong decision. And that internal fear can really get in the way, but it's when you can go and find other examples of people who are succeeding and have succeeded, and you can start to build that trust in yourself to make that decision, but also in the individuals that you're going to move forward with. Yeah, that's absolutely key. A hundred percent. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be one of those authors or speakers who says like, you know, take my advice because I'm not using it. <laughs> I really <laughs> want to be someone who walks the talk and, you know, I've applied this to my life. I've seen it work. I know I've got a lot to grow. I'm not as wise as the mentor in the story. I hope to be someday like him. Um, but it's, I've applied this to myself and it's, it takes practice. And one thing I've seen with the members of Real Wealth and friends and investors, you know, the people like you and so many of these, like, like Brandon Turner and Ken McElroy, you mentioned earlier, these guys, you know, it, they've gone through the same thing. They have the same limiting beliefs. And so it takes constant practice. And you hear people say, no, you know, I don't need, I don't want to focus on that. I don't want to focus on me or me getting better. I just want to learn this. I want to get out there. I want to invest, but you can read all the stuff you want and take as many courses as you want and do all that stuff. If you don't get your, your brain, right. If you don't get your mind, right. You're never going to get there. It's I've seen it over and over and over. I've seen it with myself. And, you know, I was diagnosed learning disabled when I was a kid and I was put in special classes for the learning disabled. So I had a pretty powerful gremlin and still do that says, you know, rich, you're stupid. You're never going to amount to anything. So I've had to practice that consistently. So we all have our limiting beliefs, getting clear and getting those out in the open and shine the light on them so that we can move forward and keep, you know, keep making it happen. And then you go from there and you just keep learning you keep growing you keep getting better. And the better we get, the better life gets. Yeah. You can't build a skyscraper on a terrible foundation. So you've really got to get that mm -hmm. mindset in place. And there's something that's in the foreword of your book that Robert Kiyosaki wrote that people chase money in a financial system. That's not set up for you to win. So in other right. words, the classical approach about studying hard, going to college and plowing through work to live for retirement, you know, so you can finally have that financial future isn't really reality for most people. So what do you think people should understand about investments in the financial system in general, in order to really start making some positive progress towards those, those visions and goals that they have? Yeah. And, you know, you hear a lot of this nowadays, the complaints about the wealthy or the rich, you know, and it's, it's like, it's not fair and all that, but I, you know, a lot of these people I know came from being really 
broke and they're they've really made themselves and they're not self-made they've gotten help they've gotten support and all that i don't believe in self-made success but they came from a place where they didn't have the money and now they're extremely wealthy in so many ways and they give back and all that so I, there's a piece in there that really it's it's looking at it's stepping back and looking at the system and saying okay if this is a game what are the rules you know, so you can you can bitch about it and complain about it and say this isn't fair and everything, or you can say, okay, I'm going to figure out this game. I'm going to understand the rules. I'm going to understand how this how I can make this work. And then when you make that commitment, life really changes. And then you're able to go give back. We've we're almost at a million dollars that we've been able to donate through real wealth through charities because we donate ten percent of our profits through real estate transactions to charities that make a difference in the world, you know, Habitat for Humanity, Operation Smile, Mentors International. It's so fulfilling. And that's the way, that's what I, the truly wealthy people that I know, they're the ones who are making the biggest difference in the world. They're providing jobs. They're providing good, affordable housing. They're, um, they're donating, they're giving back. And because, and they have freedom. They have freedom to spend time with the people they care about and they have freedom to give back to the world. So it's yeah, getting caught in the get a good job, you know, get a good education, get a good job and work for the man. And then someday, hopefully you can retire and live your lifestyle. It's it's old thinking. Honestly, it's an old way of thinking. It's old thinking. And instead of complaining about how other people have it better, instead, we can look at how those other people got where they got. What are those things that they're doing? And we can use those strategies ourselves to actually be able to move in that direction. Well, this yeah. has been and just, it's, it's been a, a true pleasure, Rich, being able to dive in with you. And I'm really excited that you put this book together for the world. I, I, uh, I really truly believe in the values that you're sharing. And I highly encourage people to go out and buy a copy. It's going to be dropping in bookstores very soon. So Rich, where can people find a copy? Where's the best place for them to, to order and uh, get a copy for themselves? Sure. Yeah. I'm, let's see. I'll hold the book cover up so I can recognize it, but it's on, it's on Amazon uh, as a Kindle version right now. It's coming out as a hardcover and, um, and the audiobook, which I narrated. That's a fun challenge, narrating 10 different characters, <laughs> <laughs> including the women in the story. Um, but it's uh, so the audiobook and the hardcover will be out next month. Um, and but the ebook is already available. And it's been uh, actually, it came out two months ago. And it's been on the top 100 lists, ranging from number two to, you know, it kind of goes up and down in there, but ever since. So I'm super grateful for that. I'm really, really thrilled with the response to this story. Uh, I'm really happy with it. So anyway, Amazon is definitely the best place and the easiest place to, to buy the book or, or pre-order the hardcover. Well, guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Investor Mindset Podcast. Grab a copy of The Wise Investor and dive into a great story that can inspire you to create some financial freedom for yourself. Thanks, Rich, for joining us and uh, hope you have you. a beautiful day. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to theinvestormindset.com to join the Insider Club where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level.